Welcome to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD, where the doctor helps you unlock your full potential by equipping you with tools and knowledge in the areas of health, wealth, and wisdom, anchored in his experience as a business executive, a physician surveyor for the Joint Commission, a former mayor, and over 50 years of experience as a general surgeon. You've got questions, he's got answers. So let's get started. Here's Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. Good morning. Uh, I'm Dr. William T. Choctaw, and I welcome you to our Healthy, Wealth, and Wise podcast. We have a very special guest today. Uh, Our guest today for our podcast is Mrs. Lorena Choctaw. That's right. You heard that correctly. Um, She is my better half. Um, And... I I am delighted to have her to uh, share with you some of her thoughts and some of her uh, impressions and experiences on leadership. So welcome, Lorena. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. So let me ask you this. Um, What would you say are, um, if someone were to ask you to tell your story, um, how would you tell your story? Well, my story started as I was born in Guatemala City in Central America uh, to um, Christian parents. My father was a pastor of a Baptist church. And so I grew up uh, attending church all the time. Uh, So my faith um, grew up stronger and stronger as I grew up and got older. My introduction to service was um, probably by observing them serving others all the time. My dad as a pastor was constantly um, being sought by uh, members of the church where uh, they would come and share their needs with him and he would try to help them as much as he could. And my mother as a a surgical uh, registered nurse was constantly being um, asked to go to their homes and, and, and try to provide medication and treatment to, to the sick um, members of the church and others from the towns. Um, at an early Did you have age, any brothers or sisters? I have a brother. I have a brother. Uh, okay. He is four years older than me. So you were um, the baby. I'm sorry? You were the baby. I was the baby. I was the baby. Yes. Um, and, and for that reason, um, my parents were very careful um, where I was going and in what I was learning. So they were um, very dedicated to make sure that I learn about um, Jesus Christ as my savior mm-hmm. and that I learned um, different ways to, to help others and to serve others. Um, uh I remember that um, my mom was very good at teaching me how to read and write as as I was very little. So but when the time came for me to go to kindergarten, uh-huh. she took me to the school and left me there with the understanding that at the end of the school uh, day, she was going to come back and pick me up. Well, after an hour or so, I decided that that was not what I wanted uh, in school because all we were doing was playing. So I grabbed my 
lunch pail on my sweater and left and went home. And I walked back home. Now imagine the look in my mom's face when when I knock at, at the door and she opened the front door and here I am back from the school. And, and how she asked, oh, I must have been six, five, six years okay. old. And when she asked, what was I doing there? I just told her, we're not learning anything. We are just playing. And I want to learn how to read and write. So that decided right then and then that um, I was not going to go to kindergarten. And by the time I was um, ready to be registered on first grade, I was too advanced for, for that grade. Because, again, my mom had been teaching me at home. So I was advanced to the second grade. And that would, went on until I graduated from college. I was always in, a year early from, from my classmates. So that's, that's how my, my life has started. Which is a good point because it shows that, that you can, ne- as a parent, you can never start too early teaching your kids basic, you know, reading and writing, et cetera, et cetera. The children will learn whatever you teach them whenever you teach it to them. Right, right. And she and, was she was very good. Um, she was patient and and she would make it fun. And I think that that's how it was easier for me to learn. And I was eager to to learn how to read and write. Um, so that's that's how it started. Tell me about uh, when you say read and write. Were, were you were you reading and writing Spanish only? Were you reading and writing Spanish and English? How how did all that come about? No, my introduction to English came later on in life, probably. Um, at junior high or high school, um, okay. my father was the one that introduced me to to English. Uh, he loved the language. He always um, he used to travel a lot, and he came to the United States a couple of times. And he fell in love with the language, and he studied it and learned it. And it was a goal of his that I was going to learn how to speak English. And so whenever he was always busy, but whenever he would have a couple of minutes, I would go to his office and he would sit me in front of um, his desk and he would start um, teaching me words first. And he would have me repeat them over and over and over. And and it was never a a hard thing to do or a a homework or a, a fear. He made it so easy for me to feel comfortable with the language. Uh, and um, as it we went along, then we got into phrases uh-huh. and then sentences and then um, like conversations. And he was always telling me that one day I needed to come to the United States. Really? That, yes, that he wanted me to come to the United States to live, that that was my future. And that's why he was so adamant in in teaching me the language. Interesting. Interesting. So he started very early looking at your path 
down the road. And yes, again, and those those who are blessed with both mom and dad, uh, um, that's what you want, you know, because it really does make a difference. It's it's not it's not lost. It's not forgotten. That that becomes a part of the children as as they grow up. But what would you say are some of the some of the things that you've learned in life, uh, your your life lessons? Uh, that sort of guide you. You mentioned about religion and how your mom, your dad being a pastor and your mom being active in the church, in addition to being a um, a medical professional, a nurse. Um, but what, what what are some other things that you've learned, um, either in Guatemala or in the United States or both? I learned that um, serving is a privilege. Yeah, um, I used I to see my mom and dad serve a lot. And, and I used to tell them, don't you get tired of it? You know, why are people always asking you to do things? And their response will always be, it is my privilege. I enjoy doing it. And and they saw it as a blessing to be able to serve others. So I learned that at a very early age. And I grew up understanding that that we were all here to, to serve those in need. So it was not a strange thing for me when uh, later on in life, I was given the opportunity to, to serve. Uh-huh. And, and it was as it felt like a second uh, nature to me. It was not and a strange thing. What, what are some of the other ways that, that you have served? Um, I, um, God bless me when I came to the United States to find um, immediate um, work first as a tax collector up north in, in Modesto. And I was a, a, a collector of taxes. <laughs> and, and I always felt that, that it was a service that we were providing to the community for them to have a place where they could come and, and pay their bills without having to travel long distances. Okay. And later on, I um, had the opportunity to work for... Um, local hospitals here in the Los Angeles area. Yes. And my job was to service the physicians on the staff of the two hospitals that were that I was in charge of. And my job oh, entailed in helping them. The I'm sorry? I said you were the director of the medical staff office for the two Correct. Hospitals. Correct. Okay. And some of my duties uh, were to make sure that the physicians would have what they needed that um, it was my responsibility to make sure that they had their license current so that they wouldn't run into problems uh, while treating patients. Um, I was um, in charge of making sure that they would follow the rules and regs and um, any other service that they needed, we provided them at the office that I was um, the director of. So through my whole life, I have had the opportunity to serve. Yes, I, I can imagine, um, and and I should I should add a note here. I was one of those physicians because I, <laughs> one of the ways that Lorraine and I met was at the hospital, um, um, and and the medical staff office is unique for physicians. You know, many times we physicians, particularly those in private practice, may not think much of hospital administration. That many times there's always a little tension there, but not the medical staff office. And even though the medical staff office was employed by the hospital, but it was that bridge 
between the hospital and the practicing physicians. And, and we relied on, on individuals like yourself and in your office to help us to make sure that we follow the rules, of, that we didn't uh, run out of time and, and uh, you know, renewed our license on time. That, you know, a lot of the basic stuff that we tend to ignore uh, as physicians, but without that, uh, it would have been very difficult for us to do the things that we wanted to do. What what other lessons have you learned other than service? And so service started for you at a very young age. Yes, it did. It did. And um, I, I I can only remember. Hey, tell me about education. What 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 was? Yes, your I I was I was just about to say that um, as as I grew up watching my mom practice medicine, um, I always felt a the attraction to be uh, involved in medicine, either as a nurse or, or a physician. But um, for some reason, nursing did not attract me, but be, <laughs> being a, a physician sounded more, more interesting and exciting. Okay. But since um, my parents could not afford to send the two of us, my brother and I, to school, my brother decided that he wanted to go into medicine also. So that um, the, um, made it more difficult for, for me to go. So I had to instead choose to go to business school okay. um, because it was, it was easier uh, to go that route uh, financially. But as it is, later in life, I, I met a physician that I, that I married to <laughs> and and I had the opportunity to to work in his office and to be the administrator of a surgical medical office. So, as as it is, um, life is a circle, and you yes. kind of come come all the way around to where you started. And at the end, I I was helping to treat patients and 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 to uh, write prescriptions and in orders for treatments and surgeries and so on. So I got involved in medicine in a, in a way. And, and as a matter of fact, uh, you're, you're being very modest. One, one of the things that I'm a general surgeon and I had my own office, uh, but there are many other general surgeons in our hospital. And we decided uh, as surgeons to form a group. Uh, we didn't merge completely, but we were an affiliate group. We would use that group to uh, cover the emergency room because we took emergency call in the uh, on nights and weekends and holidays. And so uh, each of us could, would have some time off. We would um, form a group. And Lorena actually was the manager of the group. There were seven of us. And some of you who are old school can remember this. We call ourselves the Magnificent Seven. Okay, and and if you think physicians are difficult to manage, um, surgeons are the extreme of that. You know, they're the extreme of of difficult positions. Um, and if you talk to anyone who works in a hospital, the docs that they have the difficult, the chance, the problems with, oftentimes tend to be surgeons. But uh, so my point is that your ability to serve and to manage. Um, was extraordinary because most people cannot manage one physician, let alone seven surgeons at the same time. And it worked. It worked for years and years and years. Yeah, I also had the opportunity to um, establish my own business 
uh, a consulting business for um, medical offices. Um, that was the time when the HIPAA rules came right. and, and everyone uh, was uh, nervous and, and anxious about being in compliance with the new ruling and, and requirements from the state. And uh, since I was um, well uh, versed on it, yes. uh, that was an opportunity for me to uh, do some consulting. I was traveling uh, throughout the uh, um, East Sangervia Valley, uh, okay. the, uh, the, vis- the, um, the offices. And I, what I would do um, is I would do training. I would do an evaluation of their practice. And at the end, I would give my recommendations and uh, observations so that they could improve and be in compliance with the ruling. Um, So as you see, uh, throughout my life, everything has been working for others. And and it's a a pleasure for me. And also, I, I heard that you actually did some medical missionary work in Mexico. Tell me about that. I did. I did. Um, there was a group of physicians and volunteers that uh, from the um, the so city of Walnut mm-hmm. that would go across uh, the border to uh, Tecate. And um, I loved it because since I was able to speak the language, it was easier for me to uh, converse with, with um, the community members that came to receive medical care. Um, I was able to translate for the physicians that couldn't communicate. So that was another another way that that God's blessing uh, and, and, and the fact that I could speak Spanish and English uh, helped me to be of service uh, during those trips. It, it's amazing not only that you started service very, very young, uh, with with your mom and dad teaching you based on what they were doing, you've done a variety of different types of service, whether it's working with a group of physicians, whether it's being in a caravan of 20, 30 people and driving across the border once a month to Tecate, Mexico, to treat whoever showed up. Um, and uh, to have done that uh, over 10 years or so. Uh, so I also hear that you actually got involved with with food security, with the food bank, and that indeed that presently you're the chief operating officer of Service Arms Food Bank, which is one of the largest food banks um, in the San Gabriel Valley in Los Angeles County. Tell me how that came about and what what's really involved with that. Um, the way that happened was that my husband was uh, invited to become a member of, of the Board of Directors of Servants Arms, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization that um, is started at, at, uh, from, from St. Stephen Baptist Church. And in order for them to be able to receive funding to sustain their food bank, they needed to have a separate organization that was not a religious organization. Right. And as it happened, when they invited him, he um, told them that that he would have to bring his his wife with him. <laughs> so I was an add-on, um, and and I became a, a member of the board. Of, <laughs> and of you the became board. the star of the board, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm the add-on. <laughs> <laughs> but it has been a pleasure to be a member of the board. Um, I was. Uh, 
a year or so after um, I started to be a member, I was asked to uh, be the secretary for the board um, in being responsible and taking the uh, the minutes of, of the meetings and doing all the um, the um, office um, responsibilities. And and I I been doing that for for a couple of years. Um, and um, in 2019, following the uh, resignation of of the executive director, mm-hmm. um, I was asked to hold the the fort as as a maid um, as the as we could find a, a new executive director. Uh, it's been four years now that I've been holding the fort, <laughs> and I I can say that it's been a a tremendous blessing for me um, because the the number and the variety of ways that you can serve it's it's just it's and it has no limits. Yes. Um, it has opened doors for me to have a relationship with with uh, state officials. Yes, that have seen the value of the work that we do for the community and they have dedicated themselves to to be of support financial support for us uh one of them is um supervisor hilda solis she has been the strongest and a more permanent uh support uh supported of of our cause uh, we have a food bank that has done tremendous service for the East and River Valley. Um, twice a month, we have a, a complete full uh, food distribution. Yes. And, and during the week, um, for two hours, we, we provide uh, vegetables and fruits and other items to the community. But it is, it is unbelievable the the excitement the the satisfaction the happiness that that provides for me and um, as as it is we have been recognized by the Los Angeles Regional Food Bank as one of the best um, food banks in the area uh, very recently we were also um, recognized by Kaiser Permanente as one of their uh, providers of nutritional food for their um, members. So God has continuously um, been blessing us and he allows us to grow. And we're going to the point that uh, the number of of community members that come now has over past 400 uh, in in number. And we distribute food for three hours Mm-hmm. And we start from three to six, and the community members start coming at nine thirty ten um, to wait for the distribution. And they make it a social event, they make it a uh, a fellowship event, and they sit around and they talk to each other, and they never complain. And it and doesn't matter how the weather is. I'm some, sorry. Some of the community members volunteer actually at the food bank. Some of them are starting to volunteer too because. They um, they see the work that that we're doing and they want to be part of it. Uh, we have received um, certificates of appreciation from some of, of the members that come, 
we have a group of volunteers that are unbelievably wonderful. Uh, mm-hmm. They're so faithful. Uh, they come every single time. We have lots of fun. We work a lot. We Some of us work from 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., Okay. But we we had never received a complaint from one of the volunteers. They're always looking forward to the next one. So mm-hmm. it, it's been a tremendous blessing for, for us, especially for me. And with the food bank, one, one of the things I've been struck by is that not only uh, do uh, you and your organization, Servants Arms, provide food, but food security many times is associated with homes, housing security and education. And, and what I heard was that you actually give scholarships. Tell me about the scholarships. Uh, Servants Arms um, uh, has a subdivision. The, uh, it has an education uh, committee that is in charge of uh, putting together a scholarship program that is um, uh, the scholarships are offered once a year, uh, sometimes twice a year, depending on the funds. Uh, remember, on C3, a nonprofit. So we don't have um, a specific funds that come on a monthly basis. We, we depend on donations and contributions and grants um, that we obtain, and um, some of those funds are dedicated to the scholarships. We have been blessed with the opportunity to give um, three uh, scholarships of $2,000 each almost every every year, and, and we try to give it to students from our local uh, high schools and, and uh, local colleges, and, and because we have a relationship with the Hacienda La Puente School District. And that's one of the ways that we contribute um, to their advancement and to um, make sure that those um, students that can afford it less um, get some some financial uh, support so that they can go ahead and continue with the college education. And I had heard that some of those students are actually homeless. That 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 they they don't have homes and and in addition to food problems and that sort of thing that that um, service arms your organization helps with that also or has helped with that in the past. That is correct. Um, last year, they had the, the school district um, had close to seven hundred uh, students, and these are students that are from elementary school, junior high, and high school. And it's, it's, it's amazing to believe that at this time and age, we still have homeless students. Uh, most of them um, live in, in garages, the, the ones that are blessed. Others live in, in cars. And some of them receive uh, vouchers for um, few nights at motels so that they can have a roof over their heads so that they can rest at least for one or two nights. Um, this The problem is serious. And that is one of the programs that we have been working with, with the Board of Supervisors in making sure that they um, do, do something, that they, they have a program for homeless students. We are trying to get um, um, housing for those students. Because the way that we see it is that this this student should be having to worry just on their studies and their performance at school and 
advancing in, in school and not having to worry about where their next meal is going to come or where they're going to spend the following night. Right. So we, we will continue doing uh, what we're doing uh, to try to get um, more and more help for them because it is it is something that it should not be happening in 2023. It's amazing, too, because we think of food, but actually food is connected to housing and housing is connected to um, to advancement and that sort of thing. Let, let me go back to your background. So you you got your bachelor's, you got your master's in business. Is that correct? I got my master's in business administration and um, um, commerce. And commerce. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Um, what What would you say um, are some of your biggest lessons learned over, over, over your life, starting back in Guatemala when, when your parents were first introduced you to the whole idea of what service was all about, um, um, going through the years of college and, and your time as, as a tax collector, and then uh, most of your time getting to where you were most comfortable, which is in healthcare. Um, um, what, what, what have been some of your biggest lessons learned? I think that um, I believe that the biggest lesson that I have learned in life is that during the time that I have served, I always thought wrongfully so that I was helping others. Uh When in reality, they are the ones, they help us, the ones that are providing for them because if we pay attention to it, at the end of the day, a hard day of helping others, you get your blessing. Yes. You go home exhausted, but, but you yet good. you have this this <laughs> feeling of, of satisfaction of what you've done. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, Loretta, I am so grateful for you uh, sharing your time with us. Um, and helping us to understand the word of uh, the, the world of uh, philanthropy and helping us or being of service. Let me just be specific of being of service. Um, and I think that's so important uh, going forward. Um, and I think in any other any other um, parting comments you would like to leave with our audience before we let you go. Um. If I can, if I can um, inspire someone, just go find something that you can do for for someone in in need. Well, I, I think just your story has already inspired some folks. And I might add just to add the funding for Servants Arms. Of course, you get grants and, and that sort of thing. But you get a continuous source of small funds from individuals every month who just donate on a regular basis because they, they see the work that you and the um, food bank do uh, and they want to be a part of that. Is that correct? That is correct. Yes. Uh, because um, again, because we're a nonprofit, um, we can only uh, be supported by by um, individuals and and or institutions that uh, grant um, funds, and that's how we survive. But it is amazing how God blesses because <clears throat> every time that we are uh, running down on on funds, someone comes and in 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 donates. And funds are always coming, and God continues to bless us. Excellent, excellent. 
So, Lorena, are there any other uh, thoughts you want to share with us? Yes. Um, as I was mentioned before, I used to believe that by serving, I was helping others or those that I was serving. Um, but I realized uh, that that's not the way it is. Every time that I work in serving someone, I get a blessing. Uh, and, and that's that's the value of it all, that when you serve others, you also receive a blessing from God. God has been extremely um, merciful to me. He has blessed me immensely. He has blessed me with two beautiful sons, two adults. They have their own families, yes. uh, Christian men, uh, good citizens. And they both, each one of them have a wonderful career. And I am so proud of them. And that is one of the, the many ways that God has blessed me uh, in this journey in life. And they've also blessed you with grandchildren. That is correct. I have been blessed with six beautiful grandkids. Uh, we are almost ready to have the first one go to college pretty soon. And we have the, the oldest daughter, uh, the granddaughter that is uh, working now. She's an adult and she's a responsible adult. And, and we are we are sincerely very, very blessed. And I thank God every day for my family. Very good. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for this opportunity. God bless you. Same to you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD. Be sure to check out other great episodes covering areas of health, wealth, and wisdom at thwwp.com. And while you're there, be sure to check out the books, blogs, and other literature in your preferred format. And don't forget to leave a review, subscribe, share, and support the podcast. That's at thwp.com www.p.com. You've been listening to the Healthy, Wealthy, and Wise podcast with Dr. William T. Choctaw, MD, JD.